In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, through the season of Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, and then Easter, we heard of the specific work of our Lord Jesus, that He came in the flesh, that He died on the cross, that He rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, all for us, all for you, all for your forgiveness, to win your salvation and to have you as His own. Then into the Easter season, especially the end of the Easter season, and last week, especially Pentecost, we heard of the work, the specific work of the Holy Spirit, that He brings to us the victory of Jesus. And we can review this point briefly, if you weren't here last week or if you fell asleep, or really just because it's so important that we should talk about it every Sunday, that the Holy Spirit brings to us the victory of Jesus on the cross. There are a few things that only the Lutheran Church believes, and this is one of them. That the Holy Spirit has this unique assignment to bring the cross of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins that He won on the cross, the promise of the Lord's mercy, that He would bring that to us. Bring us the word of forgiveness. Bring us the blood of Jesus and the washing and the cleansing that that blood accomplishes, that the Holy Spirit brings it to us. And the Holy Spirit uses instruments or tools or what we call means to do these things, to deliver forgiveness, the Word of God, the Gospel, the Word and water, baptism, the Word and the body and blood of Jesus in the bread and the wine, the Lord's Supper. And, and the, these are the places, even the location, where the Holy Spirit has promised to be and to work to save us. To close the loop and have the full picture... It's precisely where these things are, where the gospel is rightly preached and the sacraments that Jesus instituted are rightly administered. That's where the church is, the workshop of the Holy Spirit. So it is that we've been talking the last eight months about the unique work of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But we have this Sunday, Trinity Sunday, to teach us that all of these things are the work of the entire Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all working together, all working for you. We confess together the mystery of the Trinity, that there is one God in three persons. And all three persons, this is what we're getting at. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have worked and are working for your salvation. All three persons of the Blessed and Holy Trinity are saving you. So let's see it in the text. John chapter 3. It's on the back of your bulletin. It gives us the famous account of the nighttime visit of Nicodemus with Jesus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's the leader of, he is a leader of the Jews. And all of his colleagues on the, in the, in the college of Pharisees were already starting to take shape as being the arch enemies of Jesus. But Nicodemus still has questions. And he wants, Nicodemus wants an honest conversation. In fact, he wants a private conversation. And that's why he comes to Jesus at night. I think it's a, a, a something to imagine the astonishment of the disciples. They, they hear a knock at the door. They're gathered somewhere at night. Uh, who's there? It's Nicodemus. The Pharisee? Yeah, let him in, says Jesus. And, and they sit there and watch this conversation unfold between Jesus and this arch-Pharisee, Nicodemus. 
Just about every other conversation that Jesus would have with a Pharisee is during the day. And it is for the express purpose of trying to, sh to trick Jesus or to show him as a false teacher. Every other conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisee has ulterior motives. But we, I think we can, we can think better of Nicodemus. He comes with a genuine question. Genuine concerns. But what are his questions? Nicodemus doesn't actually ask a question. We have to hear it from Jesus. Like this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> Jesus answered, Nicodemus didn't even ask the question, but we learn from the words of Jesus what the question that Nicodemus has. I know why you're here, says Jesus. You want to know how to, how to enter the kingdom of God. And imagine it. A Pharisee? Not knowing that? A Pharisee who doesn't know how to enter God's kingdom? If there was one thing a Pharisee should know, it's how to enter the kingdom of God. How to do enough. How to live just right so that God would be pleased to them. The Pharisees knew that the righteous ones inherit the kingdom of God and they knew how to be righteous. For a Pharisee to have this question, to have, to have uncertainty where all the other Pharisees claim to have absolute certainty. This is a wonder. But, but Nicodemus knows it. He knows that this is a difficult question to ask. But he knows above all that he has not been good enough, righteous enough, that he had not done enough, that even though his pharisaical life was centered around obtaining a good standing with God by his works and his efforts, Nicodemus knows that he's failed. How can I enter the kingdom of God? There is a blanket condemnation of this kind of thinking in the Bible, that we can do enough to be pleasing to God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, all have sinned. And Jesus brings that general uh, condemnation to bear especially on the Pharisees. He says, remember the Sermon on the Mount? Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and scribes, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Exceeds. It means that the Pharisees themselves did not have enough righteousness, that they had not done enough. And just a reminder... Neither have you. Nicodemus knew it. Now, it could be that Nicodemus wants Jesus to give him a law answer. I mean, that's all the language that Nicodemus knows, the law. Maybe Nicodemus wants Jesus to tell him how to keep the law better. Or he wants him to give him a, a different law. Or uh, tell him how to serve God more, something like this. M maybe Nicodemus just wants more or better law from Jesus, but Jesus gives him no law. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We read born again as born from above. And Jesus is saying, you have to be from heaven to get to heaven. And you, Nicodemus, are earthly. And your works are earthly, even your good ones. And they can never get you to heaven. Getting to heaven, in fact, is not something that you can do. It's not something that you can accomplish. It must be a gift given to you from heaven. Salvation is a gift. 
Not by works, but by grace. Nicodemus says to him, verse 4, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, for the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I have to confess that I have normally read these words of Nicodemus. How can a man be born again? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? I have normally read those words with sarcasm. How can this be, Jesus? You're talking crazy. But it was suggested to me this week, and I think it's right, that these words should be read with despair. That Nicodemus is coming with genuine concern to Jesus and that he is genuinely troubled over his sin, genuinely troubled over his, the state of his conscience. And he says, how can I do this? I'm an old man, Jesus. How can I start over? And the answer from Jesus? Water and the Spirit. Baptism. The Holy Spirit will accomplish the work. Nicodemus, Jesus is saying, you saw John baptizing in the Jordan River. You saw my disciples baptism, baptizing. This is what I'm talking about. It's not about your works. It's not about the things that you can accomplish or achieve. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit. By baptism, the Holy Spirit makes you a child of God. And Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be, verse 9? How can it be that a person can be saved apart from their works? How can it be that plain water can accomplish such things? How can it be that I can be forgiven and obtain eternal life apart from my efforts and our works? And Jesus answered, verse 10. Are you the teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak what we know, we bear witness to what we have seen, but you did not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you didn't believe them, how can you believe when I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And, and here it is, the kicker, how these things can be. The answer to the question about how the Holy Spirit can bring forgiveness through water Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. These things are possible, Jesus says to Nicodemus, because I am going to die. Jesus reminds Nicodemus how it was with old Israel in the wilderness when they were complaining that the serpents were coming into the camp to bite them. The people cried out to God and God heard them and He instructed Moses to fashion a bronze serpent and a staff and to lift it up in the middle of the camp and everyone who looked at it would be delivered from the snakes. Jesus says to Nicodemus, like that, I will be lifted up. I will be crucified, and you look to me, you trust me, and you're saved. I can imagine how it was in the wilderness 
there you are wandering, eating bread, complaining, so the Lord sends serpents in, and all these snakes are crawling all over, and here comes a snake, and it starts eating on your leg, you know, distinctly unpleasant experience, I suspect. And your buddy comes along to you as a snake is hanging off of your leg, and he says, hey, the bronze serpent that Moses has hanging on the stick, look at that, and you won't die. And there you are with snakes gnawing all over you, and you say to yourself, that's just too easy. I think I should have to do something to be saved. I think I've got to earn it. I think I've got to deserve it. I'm not looking at that silly bronze serpent. Just look at the snake on the stick. Forget all of the working and earning and deserving. Just trust Christ. Look to Him. The reason that the Holy Spirit can give us new life is because Jesus died. The reason why the Holy Spirit can deliver us to heaven is because the Son of Man, our Lord Jesus, was delivered to the cross. The reason why the Holy Spirit can forgive our sins is because the Son of God bore our sins, took our sins away, suffered and died for all of our sins. The reason why these can, things can happen, Nicodemus, is because I'm going to die on the cross. The text, at least in the ancient lectionary, ends there at verse 15. I always think that's strange. But we can go a few more verses and bring the Father in to this work of the Son and the Spirit. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's how, Nicodemus. This is all from the love of God. This is all from the love of the Father. And we've caught on now that Jesus is not just preaching to Nicodemus, but to us as well. All of these things, says Jesus, the new birth by the Spirit, the salvation won by my death, the eternal life given to all who believe, all of this is a free gift from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit, a gift of their love. Dear saints, you have a Father in heaven. You have a Father in heaven who loves you so much that He gave His only Son. He sent Him into torment and into death in order to rescue you. You, dear saints, have a Savior who loves you so much that He gives Himself on the cross for your sins. And He sends you His Holy Spirit. And you, dear saints, have a Holy Spirit who loves you so much that He forgives you and He gives you new birth in baptism and He keeps you to life everlasting. To rejoice in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to rejoice in the Holy Trinity is to rejoice in your salvation. May God grant us this joy now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.